welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast presented by Oz Rally Pro. This is episode number 87 for Wednesday, September 2nd, 2020. And in this episode, we welcome back co-driver Preston Osborne, who has just today been announced as ARA's new series competition director. We'll be talking to them about that, as well as reviewing last weekend's Ojibwe Forest Rally with our very own Ian Holmes, who is co-driving as well. Welcome to the virtual rally pub we call the Rallycast. Well, hello, I'm your host, Mike Shaw, here at Command Central, and with me at a safe social distance, like 1,700 miles safe distance, my co-driving co-host, who hopefully has his voice back after this weekend's rally, Ian Holmes. Welcome, Ian. Yes. Hey, Mike. How are you doing? Yes. Uh, yep. I've got my voice back at last. That was a a very strange thing to happen on Saturday. That uh, no, it was Friday. It was Friday that it. Yeah, it was weird. It's, I don't know whether it was because uh, there wasn't a lot of dust that on on the Friday. It must just have been the uh, you know because I take the scopolamine patch and uh, one of the. Uh, side effects of the scopolamine is like dry mouth and i guess it must have been some kind of extension of that you know dry mouth and talking too much and maybe not drinking enough i uh, i don't know but uh that's the first time for everything and yeah losing my voice was not something i want to go through again <laughs> I, I bet not uh it's happened very rarely to me. I think I think I may have kind of lost my voice just once. Of course, I might curse myself again here. Um, but yeah, not not really something I've really had happen. But I can see that if you you know, was you were saying that uh, also taking that patch has a benefit because of that dry mouth you drink more water and so therefore yeah. to kind of overcome that and you tend to uh, be well hydrated for the rallies yeah. and not not have those issues. But apparently, it's a voice effector too. Yeah, my uh, my liquid intake was fine. I mean, I had like. I had, I'm getting all technical about this now, but I had like two liters of, I took two liters of uh, fluids on during the uh, afternoon stages on Friday. So, I mean, I was perfectly well hydrated. So, strange things. Well, speaking of strange things, you know, we were all about to uh, get our guest on the show and, you know, we know him as a very well-known co-driver and whatnot. And suddenly announced today... He's now going to be the new competition director for ARA. Now, how cool is that? Well, yeah, totally cool. We know him. He's our friend. Right. Now, not to say I don't know Doug Shepard. I've gotten to know him for, uh -huh. um, over the years. And uh, there's such a mountain of knowledge there. There really is. But you know, he's just getting older. We've been talking for years and years about getting uh, new blood into new blood, yeah. rallying, right? Uh -huh. Whether it's at the organization level or at the management level of the series. And it's nice to see someone that everybody really respects, yep. everybody likes, you know, he listens well. I mean, again, not saying that others before him, you know, didn't have some of those qualities, but I just think he's just a really good fit. Uh -huh, absolutely. Enthusiasm and everything. It's going to be. Exactly. So oh, super well... excited about that. Yep. Um, any last bits before we head off from Command Central here and call up Preston Osborne? No, no, I've got my beer ready so we can toast them and everything. <laughs> now that's how we start proper. <laughs> All right, well, we'll be right back right after this message from Oz Rally Pro, which is open for classes both online and on location. And also, a quick congratulations to Rihanna Gelsomino for her first ever 
American overall win sitting next to Travis Pastrana. That's pretty freaking cool after all the years she's put into rallying in the States to finally get an overall win and get to sit in that Subaru. That was fun to watch. Anyways, we'll be back right after this. Go. Five right short over crest into second small crest 40. Full F plus nips. Hi, this is Alex and Rihanna Gelsomino from Oz Rally Pro, Advanced Rally Training. Are you new to rally or have you been rallying many years? No matter what your experience, we can progress you further. Our classes are team training, driver pace note training, or co-driver training that are tailored to each individual or team. Email osrallypro at gmail.com for further details. Well, welcome back, and I'm excited to bring on Preston Osborne, our new series competition director for the American Rally Association. Preston, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you very much for having me back. Uh, seems like I'm becoming a bit of a regular on the show, but uh, I, I always love talking with you and Ian. Well, I hope that doesn't change with the new title. But before we go on further on that, we have to have our official opening sound for the show. And it's slightly different this time. That would be the sound of a beautiful body, bottle of uh, Blanton's whiskey that I'm opening up and uh, going to be pouring myself just a little bit there. There we go. I like it. Some uh, ASMR going on here. <laughs> you got to set the ambiance, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I don't have any noises to make, but um, I figured I'd break out the celebratory stuff myself. Uh, so I'm drinking some Oban 18 is, is what I have today with just a pinch of water. Aha, perfect. I'm using a single cube in mine. So Good. there we go. Ian, what about you, bud? Well, I feel totally left out right now. I've just got my beer, you know. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, and I never have been a whiskey drinker, so uh, I'll, I'll envy you guys. But I've got, I've got a, a honey blonde ale from my favorite microbrewery, Enki, down the road in Victoria, Minnesota. I've got a Winnie the Brew honey blonde ale, just right for the, uh, for the um, end of summer. Yeah, that sounds fitting with the race we have coming up in about a month, I was month just going to say the same thing, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, exciting stuff. Well, now that we all have our drinks, uh, I shall raise a glass in toast mm -hmm. to Preston yep. Osborne's new, uh, new position, new promotion, whatever we want to call it, uh, <laughs> our new series competition director. Congratulations, man. Yep. Well, Cheers. thank you very much, guys. I appreciate that. Cheers. Honestly, we couldn't think of a more fitting person to go into such a role. And I am going to ask a few questions about that. Like, obviously, to get into this, you, you, you had to learn a little bit about it and what you were going to be doing. So for those that don't know, what kind of goes into being the series, competi uh, series competition director? Sure, sure. So as everyone knows, uh, ARA is a sanctioning series, um, you know, one in the U.S. For, for a lot of the big events for rally. Um, and so what the competition director does is I'm in charge of uh, the rules, of course, um, you know, the RCRs. Um, and, and then I work with uh, now Doug Nagy uh, with the technical rules. So we kind of tackle those together. Um, I'm in charge of a lot of the procedures that ARA has behind the scenes, working with organizers. Uh, Mike, I know you're a little familiar with it, but mm -hmm. the very exciting world of insurance, um, you know, <laughs> I'm involved with that now with the events as well. So um, it's kind of a little bit of everything. You know, the events are, are run, of course, by the local local organizers 
Um, and, and really my role is just going to be to assist them however, however I can uh, with their events and then also with ARA being involved as the organizer, uh, or excuse me, as the sanctioning body, um, whatever we can do to support and just to make sure that we have a consistent kind of feel to the events uh, across all of them. And will you be also at events uh, like, uh, you know, Doug Shepard, you know, like I said, I got along with well with him and uh, he did a lot of help with like some of the kind of the scoring stuff and whatnot as that was transitioning. Of course, it was kind of a whole new system they were developing over the last couple of years, which is pretty well fleshed out now. Um, but there's other stuff that can, he does at event. Yeah, yeah. So I, I will be doing um, most of what Doug was doing previously. So, uh, of course, another thing ARA does is is scoring for the for the uh, series. So um, I'll still be involved with that. Um, and, and I will be kind of splitting some of the duties with Jeremy Miller, who, who I know you're familiar with. So he is taking on some of the more business aspects uh, that Doug was doing um, while I am handling more of the process side and in the competition side. So I will still be at all the events, uh, unfortunately not in a race suit, um, which, which is going to be quite the change and adjustment for me. Um, actually, you know, just signed up for show me rally for cam and, uh, his co-driver now moving forward, Oli Holter. Um, and this is the first time or the first year I should say that I won't be doing a race with cam in the last six or seven years. So, um, it's, it's a major change in my life. Um, I, I still will be involved with ODD racing as a shop manager and team manager. Uh, but essentially everything on the competition side for for ODD racing I'll be hands off um, you know I, I don't want it to become um, an issue and and mm-hmm. uh, you know with the role that I'll be in so uh, Cam and Oli get to have their fun and and uh, Ed our crew chief will obviously be taking good care of them with the car um, and uh, I'll be with a- ARA at the events. Is, is that going to be tough for you like leaving the competition side cold turkey like this? Uh, short answer, yes. <laughs> um, long answer, the, the hope is, you know, we always, uh, we as in ODD, try and do a couple of Canadian events a year. And, mm-hmm. and since there's not a conflict up there, um, I've kind of talked with Cam. And as long as it doesn't uh, cause an issue with ARA scheduling, I can still do some of the Canadian events with him. Um, or, you know, if, say we do a NASA event or something mm-hmm. along those lines. So I might still sneak in a car every now and again, but certainly won't be uh, as, as frequently as I have gotten used to. Nah. Um, so. Uh, speaking of that uh, entry for uh, Show Me, I noticed that's the Fiesta ST. Is that the old Fiesta ST you guys used to run? That is correct. Uh, dust, dusting off the old girl, and and uh, Cam will be piloting her. So we'll actually. It looks like we may have someone renting that car for Olympus, um, and it hasn't run in in uh, uh, f- uh, several months. We did an engine build on it and kind of a refresh of the chassis and some other things. So um, we weren't sure if we were going to have time to get a test day in with it. So we figured who's better to test the car and push it and make sure everything's good than Cameron. Um, so so he'll be in the car for show me. So then my follow-up question is, is how many spare drive shafts did you bring? <laughs> well, the, the good news is I think we're on version 4.0 for the drive shafts right. at this point, uh, and 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 we've uh, we've been on that version for a while, which is usually a good sign. That's good. Um, okay. So the the car seems to keep them 
keep them together a little bit better now. <laughs> I couldn't help but poke fun a little bit. <laughs> no, no. I, I, the, the first race we ever did after we put the ST together, um, I think it may have actually been Oregon. And I want to say we went through four drive shafts in three miles. Um, <laughs> so, yes, that is of concern. <laughs> Uh, that's hilarious well i'm glad glad the version four is there for sure took Um, a couple iterations you know i think version two we uh we managed to keep them in for a full race maybe two and then version three uh we were able to get several races um and of course it got to the point where we were taking taking them apart overnight and inspecting them um because we're actually completely twisting shafts uh wasn't even an issue with the cv joints or anything we were actually and they were for more or less four nine-inch shafts. I mean, they were not, not small. Um, and uh, and and come now this time with versions four, we still inspect them quite a bit, but uh, we have them going full seasons at this point. That's brilliant. Uh, well, staying along this kind of build line of things, um, how's the Fo- Focus RS coming along then? Um, th- this year we have been able to do a ton of work on it. Um, you know, with with everything going on with the virus and right. part delays and and uh, kind of a, a plethora of different things, um, we haven't made as much progress on it as we would have hoped. Um, we have made some progress. We've got suspension in it. We've got axles in it. So pretty much everything mechanically is done. Um, and so now we're actually in the process of wiring the car and kind of uh, starting that process. So the hope is to be able to get a testing day or two done by the end of the year. Maybe we'll see it at Olympus uh, if things go smoothly, but um, it's it's still in progress, yeah. uh, just not quickly being done. Um, well, now now we're moving forward pretty good on it, but uh, beginning kind of middle of the year, we couldn't do a whole lot. And, you know, this kind of goes back into, you know, your new role and whatnot. And, you know, one thing we had talked about last time on the show uh, was about, you know, trying to make common sense rules about things. Um, and one of those is having to make an adjustment specifically for that car that didn't make a performance advantage, um, but was just allowing the suspension to fit, basically. Right, uh, right. You know, I guess, uh, you know, thinking of that mindset going forward, are you going to, is that the kind of thing you want to bring into this role of, you know, instead of just automatically thinking who's going to abuse this thing, how can we make it work for people? Sure. You know, I, I think you really kind of have to, look at it from so many different angles um, from the rule side, because at the end of the day, uh, there are people that are going to try and take advantage of rules. um, And it's how we are able to write them and then also enforce them um, so that we don't have those situations. You know, I want to give everyone the advantage to run different cars and be able to do uh, interesting builds, because I think that's a big part of what makes uh, North American Rally interesting, right, is is everyone loves the R5s and the R2s, and, and those are great-looking cars. Um, but take a car like, uh, oh, I don't know, a certain Mazda with an LS motor in it. Um, you, you really don't see those types of, of cars internationally, and I think that's what makes this interesting. Um, and so how do we write the rules and, and be able to enforce them while still allowing that sense of creativity? Um, it's it's a, a very interesting challenge, but I think mm-hmm. it's one that we need to continue. Yeah, I was talking to uh, Pat Morrow actually at length over the weekend uh, after his incident. And um, yeah, he said one of the challenges he's had to deal with is the fact that, the, the again, just they're trying to make a blanket rule. And they're like, OK, so we'll just do based on displacement, we'll do weight penalties. 
mm-hmm. and you know although he can't really get all that power down um, and he's already got a v8 in there which is heavy it just it was something that you know he's had to challenge now and trying to get the suspension to work with that weight you know and right. all that stuff so mm-hmm. it's yeah it's definitely a different challenge in trying to get that chevy sonic to i guess you know be, be competitive with everybody else at that but uh it, again it's a balanced thing you, rules are i'm sure when it comes to this kind of thing it's this is something that's kind of fluid right you, you you try something if it doesn't quite work out right they could always be adjusted yeah yeah but at, at the same time you you have to be mindful and you can't make changes every six months true um, you know people are building these cars year in advance or in our situation maybe more than a year um, <laughs> right. and and so if you keep changing the rules then uh those cars either never get finished or they get fed up and and go somewhere else so right. um so a kind of last kind of thing i want to talk about kind of on this uh on this kind of topic of your new position is in, in your quote in the article it said that you know you you have a desire to push things forward are, are there any specific changes or areas of interest that you plan on focusing on at first sure you know i i I think we've seen a lot of positive outcome in a negative situation this year that we've seen with the virus um you know things like revamping the online registration and and Mm -hmm. changing so much of that uh you know we call it touchless this year because of the virus but but really it's just uh pre-registration um, you know, I, I was talking with Mary at Ojibwe and, and kind of picking her brain a little bit and said, well, what do you think of this process? Obviously, it's more work for you up front, but it seems to be easier at the events. And she said, there's no reason why we should ever go back to the way it was before. Um, and, and I've heard that from a lot of different people for a lot mm-hmm. of changes we've made. Um, even something like the whiteboards or the post-it notes, you know, that a couple of events have been using, uh, and keeping time cards inside of the car. Uh, it's, it's been overwhelmingly positive, uh, from, from a lot of the competitors and, and the workers. And so I see a lot of things like that, that we can change and keep, um, you look at rally as a whole. And how much has it really changed in the last 30 or 40 years? Um, not much. I mean, <laughs> it, it, the, the core of it, racing in the woods, you know, in, in, in loud cars, uh, that doesn't need to change. But uh, from the way we handle scoring and timing and, and registration and, and, and those aspects of, of the racing haven't changed, even though so much of the world around it has. And so what I really want to focus on is kind of, changing some of the technology that we use in the racing mm-hmm. um you know even what we've seen with with the easy trackers yeah um, you know that that's been a big a big change and the fact that it's now been accurate enough for us to use it for for 100 percent timing you know um, i was just gonna say that is you know it used to be that the easy track was the backup right so right. if somebody had a uh you know a challenge something you know and and an inquiry they would double check the time card or the log with the easy track all we're really doing is reversing that, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and the nice thing is, you know, as I'm coming into this and learning more about how ARA has been approaching it this year, um, they have been doing the double checks in the background, which is why we haven't really seen many inquiries popping up, um, because this has been the first year where we've relied so heavily on using easy track for timing um obviously ara had to make sure that it was accurate and and everything that they have seen is is it has been accurate for the most part and those rare instances has been caught uh, you know with some of the checks that they have in place 
it's a bit of a, a bit of a quantum leap forward when you think about it. When we say everything, everything's been like the status quo for like uh, so long, and here we are jumping forward light years in top in technology virtually overnight, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'll tell you, when I first got involved on the organizer side, um, well, actually, even before that, when I was learning just more about how the rallies ran, I was shocked to find that it was basically some dude in the woods with a stopwatch. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. that's really how timing was still done for rally. And, and, uh, and, and honestly, that was pretty shocking to me. Yep. Yeah. Been there, done that. Was been stood in stood in the woods with a stopwatch. Yeah. Right. Right. You, you put in your time, right, Ian? Yep. <laughs> yep. I definitely well, had the timing I, clocks I, for I, sure. At Ojibwe, when I first volunteered at Ojibwe, which would be like five or six years, maybe six or seven years ago now, I was actually there with my camera, taking pictures of the faster cars just in case we couldn't get the number as it went through. You oh, know, I sure. The, yeah. I took the photograph. And we would get the number. We would confirm the number off the photograph. Yep, yep. Or, or you figure if two cars come back to back, you oh, may yeah, not be able so to see hard. the other one through the dust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, that's that was the hardest thing. Because uh, I've done it, too. I've worked flying finish. I've worked stop control. And you got cars that come one right after another because, you know, somebody's driving out on a flat. Whatever it is. And, yeah, so hard to you, – you're trying to hear over the running car engines, and you're on a walkie-talkie to the, you know, the person that's at that flying finish, and the signal's bad, and, you know, it's just so hard. This new way of just using electronic stuff, uh, or, you know, just using the, uh, the the easy track as the primary, man, yeah, so yeah, well, much he... better in so many ways when it comes to that. If I think back to those days that I was doing it. Yeah, yeah, and, and even just think about something like margin of error. Um, you know, ha- half a second finger slip, you know, when you didn't quite hit the button um, mm-hmm. is probably a lot more common than people think, um, especially as you're getting cars coming back to back or, or you know, even inconsistencies on exactly where they're hitting it as they're crossing the finish line. Um, you know, obviously there's, uh, for the most part, is pretty accurate, but humans are fallible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the way I look at it, doing it electronically and looking at the margin of error it just it slims down to single percentage points or smaller um and and if we can even fine-tune those systems even more um then it's it's only going to get better and better yeah and well with some of these events getting pretty close (laughs) we might need that i mean in the end typically it's tens of seconds not you know tenths of a second that we've got to worry about but there are times that it gets oh yeah i mean even look at, uh, you know, of course, our closest championship season was with Millen back in 16. Um, and I, I went back and I looked at the history and there were two races that uh, we had against Millen that was less than 20 seconds over the course of the race. Um, wow. And and that's not much when you break it down per mile. Right. Um, and <laughs> and so if, if you're talking, you know, half a second here, half a second there, at say a finish line um, that that could add up and it could have impacted some of those races. So, um, you know, the the technology we're using here in North America still got a ways to go. But, um, you know, there's some some things in, in the pipeline that I think are going to take it even even a step forward. Um, and, and so that's kind of a big thing that I want to push is actually using modern technology. You know, we have it at our, our advantage, so why not use it? And I think what's, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about uh, rally safe because uh, kind of a proven system out there, um, costly because of it, because, you know, they've designed it around, you know, like what the needs are of the WRC and things like that. Um, 
but we kind of tailored this to what our needs are, right? And yeah, I think there's a lot that Easy Track still can offer, and we've already seen it again with the timing stuff and, and some other features that can be just additive and not still blow the bank when it comes to uh, trying to use these systems. So yeah, I think it's a, a pretty cool technology. It's come a long ways, and there's still more that it can do. So I think exciting times ahead when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, definitely. And I think I have kind of a unique advantage stepping into this position right now since I am such a recent competitor. Um, so I, I can kind of see it not only from the competitor side, and really for me, I want accurate timing. Um, and I, I would love to have car-to-car -car communication um, so that I know that there's a car around the corner, say they haven't had time to get the triangles out yet or, or something along those lines. Um, and from an organizer and a competitor side, um, you know, I, I want safety and mm -hmm. and having even something like Easy Track, where in our kind of command center, if you will, we know where the cars are uh, at any given time. We know how long they've been stopped or if they're stopped. Um, it should really help our response times when it comes to emergency situations, which is something that's always a conversation within organizers. You know, Mike, I'm mm -hmm. sure you've had plenty of conversations <laughs> Indeed. Uh, with, with Oregon about response times and how to handle those situations. Yeah, I mean, and if really, if you look at in general, 99% of the rules are designed around safety, yeah. right? The whole yeah. system thinks safety first, and uh, and you just kind of backtrack from that, you know? And uh, yeah, I think uh, push to pass kind of thing or something to know that you're coming up on a car, um, those kind of car-to-car -car communications, I think, would be definitely a value. Because when you're one minute apart, you go off the road, I mean, if you've been off, um, scrambling to the roadside to get your okay sign up and you're, you're, you know, down an embankment and you're scrambling up, you don't have much time to get up there, you know, before the next car comes. It would just yeah, be nice yeah. that you could hit some sort of okay button or something like that to just like, all right, folks, you don't have to worry about us. We're actually okay. Um, yep. but we got to take some time to climb. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great point. I actually had a situation, um, in, in one of our, uh, previous fiestas where we hit a tree stump at LSPR and it actually the impact was big enough that it essentially accordion the car slightly so I couldn't get my door open um, and we're sideways you know in the road um, I'm not able to get out of the car so I had to yell at Cam you know you got to get out and get up the road because I could get t-boned before I get out of this car so um, a situ situation like that could be alleviated by by a system with that capability so um, and and then of course on the spectator side of it you know having tracking that way and and live stage times yeah and, and that type of stuff goes a long way you know it, we've seen massive improvement especially since uh, Colorado it seemed like uh, that that the system uh, you know it, it's something you have to work in I think in close uh, with the folks that work with the easy track and the organizers and how to place these things in the right spots so they get good signal and can do that timing accurately and all that stuff and uh, you know, your local event rally Colorado was just a few weeks ago and yeah yeah it wasn't long ago was it so you yeah, were up yeah. there so so what was the role you were playing out there so I am chief of controls for that event um, so it's Pretty much exactly what it so sounds like. Uh, any control that you have at the race pretty much had my touch of it, whether it's uh, planning it, setting it up, uh, staffing the volunteers for it. Um, and and so it's kind of one of the lead organizers for the event and then obviously pretty active come day of the races. So um, 
you know, the the big challenge initially was how we handle COVID and and make everything touchless and and as little volunteer to competitor interaction as we could. Um, you know, I actually talked with ARA way back in kind of April as we were talking about, well, how can we open up rally with with this situation? And and so um, I talked with Doug and JB pretty early on about um, the whiteboard process and and kind of uh, how I thought that could work for rally. Um, so that we didn't have to worry about passing time cards back and forth. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of had that brewing around in my head pretty early on, um, which is ultimately what we used in Colorado. Um, and, uh, and having to rely on easy track for the timing was a little nerving at first. Um, you know, obviously I had some issues with that system in the last few years, just not necessarily being accurate. And so it was working with, easy track, you know, Peter and, and Mark and just saying, okay, so what is the optimal setup for you guys to get the most reliable tracking possible? Um, and I know they made a couple of changes for SOFR um, and, and they had some, some decent success there. And so Colorado, we talked about, we needed to hardwire uh, the system you know, so that we didn't have to worry about uh, battery going out and, and uh, seem to help having a consistent power source um, increase their reliability. And then the other part of it was just placement. Um, you know, I'm sure you've seen them kind of in that rear window uh, mm -hmm. for races past. Well, they took it out of the case and actually put it under the windshield um, because a lot of people may not realize, but the satellite system essentially works by line of sight. Yep. And so if you're putting it on one side of the car and, and pretty much hidden from all other angles, you've got a pretty narrow window of where that satellite can actually pick up the tracker. Um, so by putting it in the windshield, you kind of increase that arc and and uh, and, and made the timing more reliable and because it could communicate a little bit better. Well, like I said, Colorado was a fabulous event. Um, wow, you guys got a lot of entries for... What, what an event I, that's almost double at least a third more than i'm used to seeing for colorado yeah yeah we're usually you know low to mid 20s um i think high teens even the first couple of years um and so we expected some pent-up uh demand and some extras coming but did not expect that. I mean, we filled up to 40 within two weeks, I think. Um, and, and especially the quality of the entries was, was pretty impressive. You know, we had three R fives there, a couple of R twos and, and, uh, you know, of course, Dave and Mike Brown and in their Subaru, they're, they're always a local favorite and, and, uh, kind of up and down the board. We had a couple of cars there. Um, so, so it was great to see, but, uh, you know, dealing with 40 cars versus 20 cars from an organizer standpoint probably doesn't sound too complicated, but <laughs> uh, we, we really had to put some thought into what happened. I mean, e even we kind of shuffled the order of the stages this year, um, and we made the rookie mistake of putting a short stage into a long stage, and and uh, Lee, who was running our zero car, goes, hey, guys, that's not going to work because I've got to leave, you know, 20 minutes earlier than then you guys have it scheduled so that I can get through the long stage in time. So uh, long story short, somehow it turned into me running zero car for uh, probably the most technical stage is a downhill four and a half mile rough stage in a rental car, but uh, it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> That's what rental cars are for though. Isn't yeah, it? exactly. <laughs> Fastest car in the world, right? <laughs> no 
no flats. That that was my yeah. only concern. I was like, I've got to run this stage two more times today, so I can't get a flat. Well, in one of your rental cars was a guy local to me, uh, Julian Sabot, and who that guy's pretty quick. Yeah, he is. He he rented the car from us first last year for Tour de Forest, um, and, and I think even showed some of his speed there. Um, I. I th- pretty sure he won limited two-wheel drive there you might have to correct me if i'm wrong but um so he showed speed there and then came to colorado and and had uh alex shelsmino of course co-driving for him and they they put a hurting on some faster two-wheel drive cars um and especially on those roads you know i am only slightly biased uh but i think they are pretty much some of the best roads in north america um and and if you talk to some of the competitors that have come they they all seem to be pretty much in agreement and and if you look at the average speed for the race you know it's low 50 mile an hour i think 52 miles an hour or so is what ryan booth ended up doing it in um and you compare that to the rest of the u.s and that's i mean 15 miles an hour slower than some of the races um, they're tight and twisty and technical and tons of elevation, uh, which certainly makes really interesting racing and, and kind of makes the driver shine versus the cars because uh, horsepower is, is not as critical. And a high stage mileage. It was like 130 stage miles? Yeah, yeah. I think it ended up 128, give or take. Um, so it's uh, it was certainly a full event. I know there's been some some whispers about it maybe being a national event, but I, I think we want another year under our belt. We're looking at some new roads potentially um, to add to the schedule. That way we can kind of mix it up a little bit. But um, I mean, either way, Sam and Joseph, they were actually first time organizers this year, and they took on the position of chairman and chairwoman, um, husband and wife team. And, and I mean, they just did a killer job. Uh, they, they had no problem, you know, asking questions and, and, uh, you know, admitting when they didn't have the information, which I think goes a long way because we could have the discussions and make decisions as a team, um, versus it kind of being left. So they, they did a great job and, and next year will only be better. Um, like I kept telling them you're a whole year wiser, which doesn't seem like a ton, but it goes a long way. <laughs> it does go a long way for sure. Yeah. I've, so, I've learned so, so much in my organizing years that feel like too few as it is. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when does it become a national then? Uh, maybe a couple of years. Um, uh-huh. I, the, the biggest challenge I think we have as a national event is there's just nothing in range lately. Um, we, we have some local businesses that take great care of us, but they're just not ready to handle, um, mm-hmm. you know, five or 600 people coming into town, you know, kind of the, the mini circus that we have moving with the national events. Um, Vernal is not too far away and, and being used to, to competing in national events, you know, if I can get something within an hour, I'm happy. And Vernal's about 45 minutes away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I know a lot of, yeah, I know a lot of the, the more local and regional competitors really like to stay in town. Um, yeah. So it's, it's still kind of that balance where we obviously want to support and take care of the regional guys. But um, I, I think the national competitors would really enjoy these type of roads. Well, and at the same time, you know, for me, well, I mean, you have to travel quite a bit even for Oregon Trail, right? And yeah. So <laughs> it was no joke in how much it's two hours east of Portland to, to get out to the Dallas area. So, um, right. uh, you know, I guess it, it, as long as the start of the stages is not too far from wherever the service park is, where you stay overnight, 45 minutes away is nothing. 
Yeah, and, and that was my argument. Um, <laughs> but but uh, you know, we we I wouldn't say it's a, a loud uh, issue, but something that we do have to be mindful of. Um, right. You know, especially because we have such a great relationship with Rangeley, we want oh, to sure. support yeah, them as much first. as we can. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I mean, they're going to fill up regardless, even with. 20 cars were having issues getting rooms. Um, and, you know, while the dorms at the local college were available, which is hmm. is great, and they're inexpensive, uh, it's you have to bring your own bedding, and there's right. air conditioning in about half of the room. So um, it, it's just not what a lot of the national guys are used to. Um, and so I think it's going to be up to, to us as a team to really kind of figure out how to bring it up to that national level in terms of location and facilities um, while still supporting the town of Rangeley and, and keeping the race base there. Well, before we w- move on to talk about Ojibwe and do kind of our review of that, uh, there was one other thing I wanted to bring up. And, uh, you know, I, I really like Dave and Mike Brown, great guys. But, you know, they had their issue out of Colorado. And I, just for those that listen to the show and kind of for some clarification, something I brought up online and not everybody sees all the stuff that goes on the North American Rally Group stuff. But um, there was an issue that they had when it came to uh, a start. And um, in that case, it was the clerk of the course that, you know, signed off as to whether they got a penalty or not. Mm-hmm. Now, in that situation, we saw all over the internet interwebs that, you know, they're kind of throwing ARA as an organization as a sanctioning body under the bus on that. It's like, wait a minute. Um, I, I think people maybe forget the role of clerk of the course and what their responsibilities are. They, they do a lot when it comes to once the rally starts, right? They're kind of, there's stewards there, but stewards pretty much, if, I, if I'm right on this, stewards pretty much make sure that the clerk did the right action um, within their power. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, the the ARA stewards at the events are more in an advisement role. Um, Once the race starts, I mean, it's it's the organizing team um, with ultimately the clerk of the course having the final say. Um, I'll tell you, I was approached originally to be clerk of the course for that event, uh, and I'm glad I wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I was kind of undersold what chief of controls did. So so that was enough on my plate to begin with. But, um, you know, Rob, the clerk that we've had for the last few years for Colorado, um, you know, he was a new clerk of the course actually just a couple of years ago himself. Um, And, you know, from figuring out the roads and writing the route book and, you know, all the bulletins pretty much go through him. um, There's a lot that the clerk does. And I think sometimes there's some confusion on where ARA ends and the organizer starts and vice versa. And, um, you know, honestly, I was I was surprised to kind of hear them talking about ARA like that just because most of their complaints had nothing to do with ARA. That's what um, I thought. And, and you know, I was looking you know, at this me, again from my little experience as being an organizer. I'm like, wait a minute. That's not their decision to make. Why are they at fault? Hold on. What? Right, right. And, and I love that even the decision signed at the bottom is clerk of the course. <laughs> I, I mean, it's pretty cut and dry who does it. But, you know, I, I think maybe this is one of those that – we need to kind of educate the people who are competing in the series and the races and just um, so they know who they need to approach for situations and, and if they have a problem, who to talk to. Right. Um, you know, seeing that thread pop up, you know, as an organizer for the race, um, you know, I talked to the team. I was like, hey, we need to talk to, to Dave. Obviously, he's not happy with hap- what happened, but uh, 
he, he's kind of talking to the wrong people. So uh, tried to direct him towards us. And I know Sam had a long conversation with him about, um, you know, the issues that he had with the race and, and just kind of how we can improve um, as a race too. But, you know, the thing that I'll, I'll tell competitors out there is, is know who you need to talk to. Um, there's a reason why the SUPs have the contact information for all the organizers uh, listed um, so that, if there's an issue, whether it's a safety issue, timing issue, whatever the case is, um, generally it's the organizers you need to talk to. Um, and then also specifically about, say, that jump start that, uh, that Dave had. You know, I know they filed um, an inquiry and the decision came from clerk of the course for that. Um, but there's even a step further that they could take as competitors that a lot of them just don't know about, I think, because they don't quite know the rules and, and what can be done in that situation. But uh, you can actually take it a step further and, and do an appeal, which does go to the stewards at that point, um, which is handled by ARA and outside of, of the organizers. So there are things in place so that issues like that can get taken care of. Uh, but from what I've seen, not only at our race, but at other races, a lot of times people aren't using their channels properly. You also need... I rally lawyer. Um, <laughs> you you got to understand this this process, right? Yeah, like you said, there's appeals. There's a difference between making a an inquiry and then truly filing what's called a protest, or actually putting money right. down. There's right. you know each one of these things have different um, different aspects to them, I guess, right? And and and, and different levels that they go to. Um, yeah, so th that makes sense, and it, it is complex. I, I don't claim to know all of them myself, but... Uh... Well, and the way I look at it, as as a co-driver and a team manager, it's one of those that, you know, you, you need to know those rules inside and out. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have tried to help as many people as I could just since, um, I mean, really, it's my job to know the rules, and, and certainly now more than ever. Um, but uh, so I, I try and help people with those. But I mean, it's it's hard sometimes because you can really only tell them, hey, just read the rules and know them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you for helping clarify that. And I wasn't trying to put you on the spot. It's just I know it's something that kind of blew up on the Internet. It's like, OK, yeah. this needs some clarification mm -hmm. for those who are listening, because uh, like I said, it, it didn't sound like it. It sounds like it eventually got some sort of resolution to it, but you never see that amongst all the the flurry that goes on on the internet. Yeah, yeah, you, <laughs> you, know? you kind of see the chaos up front, and you yeah. don't see the end result. So, exactly. but like like I said, I mean, the big thing for us is we're always trying to get better as as an organization. Um, you know, we have a lot of pride in Rally Colorado and how it runs, but at the end of the day, we're by no means perfect. Um, and so, whatever we can do to make each race and each year and even each day better, um, we, we certainly welcome any sort of constructive criticism so that we can do that. Mm -hmm. um, I know, I'm sure you guys do it too. I don't know if it's standard in all the, uh, the route book stuff and whatnot, but uh, I know that we with Oregon Trail, we always have that, hey, here's a, uh, we want you to turn in at the end of the rally, here's a comment sheet, and please give us every one of those and tell us you know, what you liked, what you didn't like, what can we can improve on. And we read every one of those damn things. Yeah, yeah, we actually we sent out an electronic survey to uh, we had a, a survey specific for volunteers and we had a survey specific for competitors Perfect. Um, just so that we could get that feedback. And that was part of our post-race debrief. I think we did about two weeks after um, after the race, but we sat down and we went through all the data and the comments. And, and like you said, we read every single one of them and and looked at uh, what we can change for next year. Excellent.
Excellent. Well, I'm excited to see uh, a Rally Colorado 2021 with another 40, 50 entries, whatever. That would be <laughs> great. I certainly won't turn that down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think the the word is out. Those roads are incredible and uh, uh, definitely a fun time. I mean, yeah. It, I don't. I haven't heard one person saying, "Ah." Oh, I hated it out there. Not one. So that's cool. <laughs> Other than maybe the heat, but uh, at least it was a dry heat, not like the humidity we had in Sulphur. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So let's move on to talk about uh, Ojibwe Forest Rally then. Um, yeah. Obviously, third round of the national championship. You were both there, Ian and mm-hmm. uh, Preston, as co-drivers. I was here at, quote-unquote, Command Central, kind of following everything <laughs> that was going on. <laughs> I saw your setup. It was pretty good, actually. Yeah. Uh, you know, multiple monitors trying to follow what's going on. Um, was kind of on a on a Discord thing to with some folks to uh, kind of keep track of where the cars were and what was going on there. And, yeah, it worked out okay. It worked out okay. But, yeah, your, uh, your, fr- your Friday night report was really good. I watched that and I thought that was pretty neat. So, <laughs> but apart from the, but the fact that the, uh, the the rally truck the rally truck featured in the film at the end of the of, of the uh, film as well that had a lot to do with it. <laughs> Not biased at all. <laughs> that, no. that didn't sway your opinion at all, did it? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a good shot that they got though of the of the rally truck uh-huh. and yeah no I I mean there's nothing like being there. I, I'll always want to be there, but, uh, you know, it was a close second. You know, I was still communicating with a lot of teams and people and stuff remotely. And, uh, it, it was one way to fall, you know, now I know how those, uh, spectators felt. Um, you know, one thing that, uh, that they did unique for this event is they tried to live stream at least a, ca- a single camera on every stage. Um, I would still call it a success. It was, it's such a hard thing to do. I think a lot of people have yeah. no idea the complexity that goes involved in trying to uh, trying to stream from a stage. Uh, we did it a couple of times here and there. Uh, Matt and I did back in the day. You know, people are like, well, why was it just on the straight section? Or why is it, you know, just, yeah, there's a little rise and a dip and whatnot, and that's it. Well, first of all, you have to find a place that has some cell, cell signal. <laughs> then you got to make sure that place that has cell signal has, you know, accessibility for a vehicle to get in and out where you're going to have your equipment. You know, is there a safe place to stand and put your camera where you can pan it left and right? And and just all these little details that the spot you wish you could be covering, it's probably a dead zone. And so you got to get something out there. And uh, what I ended up doing here from Command Central, um, I had a stopwatch. And I had a general idea of, you know, if, if they're, the drivers were closer to the end of the stage. And I would just use that lap timer. You know, just as if I was standing on a stage and, and seeing who was catching who, because if you know who they're one minute apart for most of the competitors, you can see if one person's catching on another. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's pretty easy to kind of keep track of what things were going on there and then kind of go back and reference what was going on with Easy Track. And it's like, oh, yep, okay, so that time dropped, you know, yeah. wow, uh, Pastrana dropped 20 seconds on that stage. What's going on? You know, message somebody, yeah. oh, he had a flat at the end of the stage. Ah, okay, mm-hmm. that explains yeah. it. You know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah, well, the uh, the feedback that I've got from people who watched the live streaming is, is, has only been good. So, um, I'm guessing Very good. that you can say that the, the, the live streaming was a success. I mean, we were on stage. I don't know about you, Prep. Preston, but I was very aware of where the cameras were. Well, apart from the fact that there was booming great big Subaru banners, feather signs by the side of the road, that clued you in. 
but yeah, we we, saw, we we could see them, and uh, they were they were well off well off the road and back in the trees. Uh, they they didn't seem to be like they would cause any problem. They weren't in runoff areas or anything like that. They were well situated, and uh, yeah, I've I've not seen any of the film myself. I would really like to go out on YouTube and uh, find the film myself and see if I could see these broadcasts. Well, they did on Twitch, so it was a little bit different. Um, uh-huh. So it wasn't on YouTube, but I believe mm-hmm. Twitch can still save files. I haven't actually uh, seen, you know, a, a replay of any of them. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, so a little bit different streaming platform mm-hmm. than uh, ah. what what us older folks are used to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Showing our age, are we? A <laughs> little bit, a little bit. Yeah. But uh, I I, re- I really like the undertaking. Uh, it was. Uh, Massively supported by uh, Cooper Tire, who helped invest in mm. some of the uh, extra tools that they needed to amplify yeah. their signal, you know, mm. out in some of these remote locations. There was still um, a couple of cameras that didn't work at first, and they eventually got them working and things like that. But you know, until you try, you don't know. Um, you know, unfortunately, the test day might look like it's fine, and then you go to yeah. race day, and the signal's not working. So, mm. a big challenges there, but. Yeah. I'd say yeah. they did enough that, that I would call it a success. So hats Absolutely. off to uh, Eric Nelson, the folks at Ojibwe Forest Rally for putting that together. It, it was nice to nice to see some of what was going on um, from a remote location, for sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. But the, 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 the one thing that we need to know, Preston, is where did you find Andre Durazio from? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, he just holy cow, blew the man. class apart. Yeah, yeah. He... Uh was very, very surprising. So, you know, I, I got in contact with Andre um, and his dad, Kirk, uh, maybe a little over a month ago and, and said, hey, you know, I think I want to rent one of your cars. I've been looking at Fiestas and see you've got a couple for rent. You know, could could we do a race? And so I said, oh, 18 years old. Yeah, sure. You know, I'll even co-drive for you, you know, thinking it was going to be an easy gig since <laughs> I knew Cam, Cam and I weren't going to be there. Um, and so then I get to talking to him like, Oh man, this kid, this kid's serious. Um, you know, he's been studying a lot of rally and, and, uh, though he hadn't been in a rally yet, he had spent some time at Team O'Neill and Dirtfish and, and kind of all over the place. Um, and I said, okay, you know, this is a race. You're going to be writing your own notes. Um, and, uh, and so sent him to sponsor of the podcast, OZ Rally Pro. And he spent a couple of days out there with them. And, uh, within two days I had, a note glossary. I had a calling order. I had video from Recky, and I went, "Oh, okay. No, this kid's really serious." Wow. wow. So um, he he's investing. Yeah, yeah. No, and and uh, and he was putting the work in. I think yeah. was was the big thing that I saw. So of course that kind of signaled to me of okay, obviously I'm going to have to be on my A game and and really make sure that he's taken care of. Um, and his notes were pretty complex. Uh, and so of course my first thought is. You've you've never driven with notes before. Are you even going to be able to understand all this stuff? You know, I, I don't want you to have to worry about you getting lost or or you know me spitting out six modifiers for one corner and you hearing two of the unimportant ones. You know, right? Um, and uh, Titans, you need to remember the Titans. Yes, yes, that, that, that's one of those important ones that we, that we right? worry about. <laughs> um, but he, uh, you know, so we did a testing day. Um, it was actually was great because I was in contact with Eric Nelson and their testing was full up. Um, and uh, they had a late cancellation. So we, we were able to jump in 
And so I do kind of the first pass with Andre just to get some notes written. And again, the notes were complicated, but uh, they seemed pretty accurate to me. And and uh, and so I said, all right, well, let's let's go hot and see what happens. And I mean, from the the first practice stage we did, I went, oh, oh, okay, no, this is happening. He's quick. Uh, and I was already formulating the inquiry in my head of please don't start as last because um, <laughs> I knew that was going to be a problem pretty quickly. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we, we did recce and, and that went well. I managed to get us three passes um, on all the stages with the open recce. So, uh, you know, big thank you to Ojibwe for doing kind of the open recce formats. And I know a lot of the races are going to that, but I think as rally in North America is progressing, uh, that's going to have to become a lot more common. Um, just more and more competitors are wanting to write their own notes. And, and, uh, so we had a long day of recce and, and again, Andre wanted to put the work in. We watched videos together and we talked about pacing of the notes and, and, uh, tried a couple of different things. And, and then I gave him the video and, uh, apparently he watched even more of the video on his own that night. Um, and so, uh, come race day, it was pretty much off we go. And I think the first, very first stage he was third fastest all of two-wheel drive um, in the kids' very first rally So stage. he's behind Burke and, and uh, Greenhouse. Correct. And Jeez. everyone else behind <laughs> us. <laughs> and, and that was wow. on Crossroads, which is by no means a simple stage. Mm, yeah. Um, and uh, and so it was nice because I'm going to have fun in a rally car regardless. But um, obviously working with a driver with that level of natural talent um, just just puts it on on a whole different world for me. So um, the kid's fast, man. You you guys are going to, I'm sure, be talking to him pretty quick because he if, if he sticks with it, which I have very little doubt he won't, um, he's he's going to be fast. So what's what's his background then, or is he just a great natural talent? Uh, I think generally he's just a great natural talent. Um, you know, he he did some competitive karting, and mm-hmm. uh, and so he told me that and went, oh, okay, there you go. You know, you're, you're a competitive karter. He said, yeah, I did it for about a season. It wasn't for me. And I went, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he he's he's just got one of those natural talents and ability to understand the car. You know, I, I've had the fortunate um, career, if you will, to be able to sit with a number of different drivers and different mm-hmm. skill levels. And, uh, and the ones that are good are the best under the brakes. And he was able to move the car very well under braking. Um, and, and that's usually a sign of somebody who has uh, an inherent ability to, to drive a car fast. So it's that weight transfer thing, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. One of these days I'll learn that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, I mean, our, our race, uh, it, it went well, and we only had one excitement. Uh, it sounds like a lot of people found the same rock on the first running of Spur 2. Um, yeah. So this is the kids' second stage ever, and uh, we come around a five left five plus, and... He was full commitment right on the apex, and so was a pretty good-sized rock. Um, and it was actually mm-hmm. embedded in the ground, and so it wasn't loose, and yeah. it must have gotten uncovered in the first, you know, 30 cars or whatever had run at that point. Yeah. Um, and we f- immediately flatted, uh, bent a tie rod in, bent a control arm. Um, so the car handled a little differently after that, but mm-hmm. uh, he 
he did well to get the car through the stage without losing too much time. Um, he's still relatively new at putting his equipment on, and so it takes a little while. So I just left him strapped into the car at the end of the stage and said, I'm going to change the tire. Uh, entertain yourself. <laughs> and, and, and so I, I got the tire changed and us going on. It, it ended up being uh, not very exciting from that standpoint. But uh, did, did you guys find this, that same Rocky in? Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, there was there was several situations like that, wasn't there? I remember yeah. going around, going around on recce, and every time I saw a rock poking its head out, I would make a note and tell Scott, look, rock there, stay out. And, you know, you would go around, well, you, we were like 34, 35 on the road, something like that. And, and by the time we got to this corner, it wasn't that the rock, rock had been like dislodged it it was like a bigger rock that had just had the dirt cleared out yeah that's that's a great way to put it it hadn't moved but what yeah. used to just be barely sticking out was now a, a small wall that you had to pass yeah. over there were, and there were several situations like that i was quite shocked so i wasn't used to seeing that on the jibway yeah yeah it um it, it seemed like a lot of embedded rocks got exposed um mm -hmm. and then i i'm sure you will remember it but the second passing of spur two did you see the rock that was the size of a say a small cooler <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah 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 that, that one was hard to miss yeah yeah wasn't that one right in the middle of the cup? oh my gosh yeah it was right in the apex and and thank goodness we had that that call as a don't to begin with mm -hmm. um so he had already taking a little bit of speed off the car for that corner anyways yeah. and we came around and i both of us couldn't do anything but laugh um <laughs> thank goodness he had plenty in the bag to go around it but i was like oh my i don't think i've ever seen a rock that size in the middle yeah. of the stage wow yeah you know earlier you were uh mentioning you know the, the the start order stuff and you know which is always a challenge for every rally and um gosh it, it's just one of those things that i guess thinking back to kind of colorado and some of that stuff too is as an organizer, based on the information that you have, unless somebody's done a rally recently, or if they change cars, or there's so many variables to try and figure out where do you start a person. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, and and especially mm -hmm. a new competitor, right? Yeah. Um, and and speed factors are an imperfect science, uh, but you know they they seem to be accurate about ninety percent of the time, and that ten percent is is of course where we run into issues. And and I know for Colorado. Um, we had quite a number of new competitors, uh, and and one of them was in an R2, uh, you know, one of McKenna's R2s. And so, of course, we go, okay, it's a fast car, but what does that say about the driver? And uh, talked with the co-driver a bit and talked with the driver, and, and essentially what they told us was, look, he's going to be fast, but I don't have any data to back that up. Mm -hmm. And there's just nothing that we can really do at that point we we can't just say oh well if you say you're going to be fast then then we know you'll be fast and just guess and put them somewhere um and so that's one of those situations that's just hard i mean a start order effectively is for us to more run the rally safely versus say give everyone that perfect gap because yeah. our goal is you don't want anyone to catch anyone um, exactly yeah. you know mm -hmm. over you know, the course of the really stage you've got like. a whole minute you don't want somebody to overtake somebody on that stage granted something right. could always happen even if the yeah. guys at the top that have two minute windows they get a puncture and they drive out on it something like that somebody will catch somebody on stage it's going to happen 
but you want to try and make sure that when they're competitively racing, right, they don't catch each other if possible. Right, right. And, and, and yeah, mechanicals and flats and things like that, that just throws everything out the window. But, um, you know, towards the top of the pack, generally it's pretty well sorted because it's the people with with history and and we've got a lot of data to look at you know that's that's ultimately what we're looking at is what is the data that's going to tell us where to put them um but you know even look at say a regional competitor versus a national competitor you can have a very fast regional competitor that ends up with you know 80 90 speed factor um but you also have to weigh that against who they're usually competing against um, right you know whereas as say take Cam and I think we're mid-80s, like 85 or something like that. Um, but we've been up against um, regional competitors that have been well over 90, but we tend to be faster than them because our 84 speed factor is weighted against all national competitors. Right. Um, and mm. and so it's, again, it's just, it's hard. <laughs> um, you know, we, we try not to ever be in a situation where you're just throwing dice at a wall. Um, but for especially new drivers, like, say, Andre, I had in this race, it, it kind of was. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I fortunately have a lot of experience against a lot of different people. And so once I had done that practice stage with Andre, I, I went and talked to the stewards and, and Eric and, and um, you know, the committee and said, you know, you know, I'm not going to come to you unless I really see an issue here. Yeah. Um, here is my best guess of where I think he could be. Um, and it was actually nice because, you know, testing stage data is, is by no means official or, or anything like that. But they were able to look because they were actually timing the testing stage. Mm -hmm. uh, and they were able to look at his times on the testing stage and kind of similar to me went, oh, okay, this kid's serious. We need to figure out where to put him. Um, and so I think we started 40th is where we ended up. Um, and then overnight, we're actually re-slotted to 22nd. I mean, that's that's a speed that's difference. difference. But, yeah. but, but to tell you the difference between those 20 positions, um, so we caught three or four cars on stage um, in the first loop. Uh, and then after that, we didn't catch anyone. Um, unfortunately, dust, you know, wasn't an issue. Um, that was going to be a so question we, I had about this rally. <laughs> yeah, I think there's enough wind. I, I don't know about you, Ian, but we really didn't see any dust until we were uh, right on a competitor or almost hitting a photographer, which is a whole nother story. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah by, by the second day, it's like, you know, we're put in place mm -hmm. and we don't have to worry about catching anyone. Yeah. But even on the second loop, I think by us passing a couple of cars, it put us in a good enough situation where we will we were still fast faster than the people around us but yep. not so much that we were catching them on stage yeah yeah pretty much yeah i agree with you there pretty much yeah anyway i wanted to like uh compare a few recce notes with you sure if i can because there were some things on on the uh on the event this year that uh like really really struck me you know it's like i don't know how familiar you are with how many years have you been doing Ojibwe? How many years have you I been up? I think that was my sixth or seventh year. Yeah, so you'll be very familiar then with crossroads, jump, you know, uphill 70, left four, and it's usually all trees, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, there definitely this was a year, lot of logging done, yeah. The trees had gone. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that makes you, 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 you I, I, we came around the corner, and I'm going like, oh, my God. It immediately makes you like rethink your notes, mm -hmm. and yeah, every... your sight lines are much different, right? Yeah, everything was like totally different. It's like I just had to, we just like had to stop and just like take it in. 
<laughs> because yeah, yeah it's, I, it's, I, uh... it's, it's usually closed. It's so closed in, and then this year it just wasn't. There was it was wide open. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, I, I had watched a you know any event that I'm going to. I watch a fair bit of video from years past, especially if we're say repeating a stage. And I know a lot of the stages I had run in that configuration before, um, and. So I know where I am on the stage, and I look up on Recky, and I went, "Well, this looks nothing what, like what I would expect it to." Yeah, it was. Yeah, and the thing, I mean, and then from a from another point of view, and yeah, I'd got like so used to this, and you know, I'm probably never going to see it like that again mm. because it because of the time it's going to take the trees to grow up. True. Very you know, true. I'm probably never going to see it the stage like that again. It's always. For the next four or five years, it's it's just going to be a wasteland up there again. So very, very strange that was. And the other thing I wanted to ask you about was like the washouts on Saturday stages. Mm-hmm. There was, I mean, there was one particularly bad piece on on height of land stage. I think it was. It was the uphill. Right. Yeah, like the pretty fast one, section then the uphill. Yeah, the washout was like both sides of the trail. Mm-hmm. And the, there was be, there was a piece barely wide enough for even our F one fifty to go up. I mean, what are you, what are you thinking when you drive when you when you're wrecking and you see a piece of road like that? <laughs> you, you know, it's and and there were a couple of places um, on that stage where even mm-hmm. coming over crests, you really had to make sure that the vehicle was positioned in the right place yeah. or else you're going in some of those ditches, yeah. um, you know, the, the washouts, like you say. And, and so that was actually our third pass on that loop of stages with Andre. Um, really the big focus was where do we need to position the car through these washes? Um, you know, we had a couple of even the bad uh, dips and things that we initially had marked as caution or say double caution for most people. Um, mm-hmm. Andre uses uh, care, caution, danger. So single, double, triple. Um, and and I think we even had one as danger uh, just because of the consequence of it. And and I, I left him as that. And I said, you know, this if you position yourself in this exact right place, it's not bad. However, if you're yeah. about two feet to the right or two feet to the left, it's an issue. Wow. And and so really it was working on getting the notes uh, accurate so that he knew exactly where to go on race pace. Mm-hmm. And and like you said, a lot of it was just stay middle over 50 yards or 50 meters um, because there was nothing else you could do other than stay middle of the road. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, was... I'd never seen the stages like that. That was uh, pretty shocking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I. Um... Uh, my uh, wife's sister's husband, he lives, his, he is from that area. He lives, his family lives in Nevis. And uh, so I, I go up there quite regularly in the non-rally season. And I was up there on the 4th of July and there was a storm that came through that like was snapping trees and turning over boat lifts on the lake. Oh, so, wow. so I was aware that there was like nasty conditions, nasty weather conditions had gone through. And even in the following weeks between the 4th of July and the event, there was, I was watching and I was seeing that there was big storms in that area. So I was thinking, I was thinking to, thinking of myself wondering about the conditions of the roads, but I wasn't prepared for what actually, what I actually saw on that hill with the 
washouts on both sides of the road. That was something else. Yeah, what what did you guys do for noting some of those areas? Uh, well, we we just like I said, we just it was just like stay mid, stay mm-hmm. middle, yeah, and because we're not we're not as fast as you guys, but. <laughs> It was just a question of like staying out and staying middle with care. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, on the third, the third pass, Al Dante's was in the middle of the road anyway. Oh, right. So, yeah, I saw the picture yeah. of that yeah. in the aftermath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. so it was just, yeah, it was just like we just decided that we were going to go careful through there because there was nothing else that, that we could do, even with even with our extra ground clearance on the on the rally truck you know we we were still just we, we were still scraping the skid plate in some places yeah some of those ruts that got dug up a bit we were definitely skid plate surfing a little bit um mm-hmm. but you know we're our, our rental cars actually pretty much all of our fiestas um have the riders on them and so the nice thing is from a, a roughness standpoint we're able to absorb a lot of that. And so even though we, we had to be smart in those areas, um, mm-hmm. Andre could still stay pretty much fully committed through them. Um, I mean, e- even that really rough section that we're talking about going up the hill, um, I don't think he lifted through it, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I mean, all things considering, you probably didn't need to, uh, at least with, you know, us, us having that, that set up on the car. But I mean, it, it was pretty gnarly. <laughs> yep, not gnarly is as good a word you could use to describe it for. <laughs> <laughs> I think that also states that, you know, don't skimp on your suspension, folks. Um, not a place to go cheap on. Yeah, for sure. yeah what, what I always tell people, because, you know, we do builds of, of all different budgets. Um, and we say the first place to spend your money is suspension and brakes. And, and brakes are more heat management than anything. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, and safety, but I mean, I, for I sure, that's but, a given. You know, they start <laughs> right. That kind of goes together, right? If they start fading because they get too hot, there's a safety issue. So, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> does right. kind of go together for sure. <clears throat> yeah, and, and and that's you know, it's like take the Rigers for example. Yes, they are a a pretty big price tag up front, um, but I can count on two fingers how many Rigers we've actually damaged. And uh, you guys have seen how gentle Cameron is on cars. Um, <laughs> and so the fact that we have gone through that many uh, exciting moments, we'll say, and have only had two Rigers actually go, I, I think says a lot. Um, other than that, it's just basic upkeep, which is usually just cleaning and greasing. Um, wow. So it's, it's one of those situations where you spend more money up front and less money in the long run. That makes sense. You know, it's an investment for sure. Yeah, yeah. So going into this rally, uh, Ian had a very particular challenge uh, at the very start. You lost your voice, Ian. I lost my voice on on Friday night, so I was okay on Friday. Yeah, I was, I don't know what it was. You know, I take the scopolamine patch, and um, one of the symptoms for that for me is like dry mouth. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know whether because I've not called notes in 12 months. So, you know, I don't know whether it was just I wasn't used to it coupled with the uh, with the dry mouth. But I was certainly trying to keep myself fully hydrated out there. But, yeah, I I got to the end of the stages on on Friday and I could I could barely talk. And by the time I got back to my hotel room. I couldn't talk, which I'm sure my wife probably enjoyed, but. But yeah, that was that was I've never experienced that before. I had a sore throat 
occasionally, but I've never actually lost my voice, so that was uh, that was pretty unusual. So you had to do hand signals, I'm guessing. Uh, no, no, I, I I recovered okay. Once I got a few cups of coffee down with the next morning and got my throat well and truly lubricated, I was fine on fine on Saturday. But there was something out there that I wanted. To, another thing I wanted to compare with you, uh, Preston, because. Um, you were you considerably in front of us, but on on Friday, did you have much of an issue with the setting sun when you were like traveling in a westerly direction? Um, I did, uh, but apparently Andre did not. So I don't know if he was looking through the sun <laughs> or, or what he was doing. But at one point on on one of the straights, I said, "Can you see okay?" He's like, "Yep, I'm fine." Um, so I, I don't know if it was his seating position or, or we also on our windshields, we paint a strip pretty low from the top of the windshield, uh, to essentially act as a permanent sun visor. Yeah. Um, so he didn't complain about any, but I couldn't see very well. So at that point, I just kind of picked a pace with the notes and Mm -hmm. called them as I felt them and, and seemed to work out okay. But, um, but yeah, it, it was, it was pretty difficult at least for my side of the car for yeah. for probably uh it would have been spur two i guess would have been the stage yeah yeah you take that you're downhill into that right hander and then you start heading west on spur yeah. two and that's it and then halverson lake is pretty much running straight dead west as well so yeah those were those were a problem it's like both Scott and I had a problem. I think I think we we say that there wasn't a du- wasn't any dust, you know. And I think mm-hmm. if there had been some dust, it might have helped because it would have diffused sure, yeah. the sunshine a little bit. But because I know that I was looking at the telemetry from uh, from my rally computer on the uh, on the truck, and at times we were down to like twenty miles an hour because we couldn't actually see what was going on you know you come over oh, wow. a crest and look straight into the sun and you don't you've absolutely no idea what's in front of you so you've just got to like crawl and i've just got to like tell scott yeah 75 yards and it's a right five and he's <laughs> just he's just got to like trust me on that right right yeah that's uh I, I don't know what uh, Andre had going for him, but if I was driving, that's probably about the speed that we would have been going. Um, Youth and, exer- and, and I've run into that. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's what I've run into before with other events. You know, especially uh, when I was getting started in rally, I did a lot of kind of the California Rally series, and those are much more desert styles, so you don't mm-hmm. have any tree cover. Um, and and so sun came into play pretty frequently. Um, and so the, the most I can do is I kind of dip, you know, my, my brow a little bit so that I can try and catch it on the edge of the helmet. Um, cause the Stilos kind of have that sun yeah. visor as, yeah. as much mm-hmm. as it is, yeah. but, and so that helps a little bit, but, uh, other than that, it's, it's tough. You know, we, we even had a discussion about that with rally Colorado, um, because we tried to set the schedule so that there was really never a time where the sun was low enough to be in your eyes. And, yeah. and so we're able to do that just because our schedule is pretty compact, but I know not all, or- excuse me, not all organizers have that option. Well, last year you guys, uh, at Ojibwe went to the dark and didn't they do a longer service or something like that to allow that? I think a regroup or something, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
so it kind of avoided that a little bit but yeah and and i will say i miss night stages yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) um i i you know now having been on the organizer side for a few years i understand the challenges of of staffing night stages especially ones that go as late as ojibwe um used to i should say um but from a competitor standpoint night stages is actually what got me hooked on rally yeah um Mm -hmm. and and so special about it there is there is and you know you take the sun out of it and all you got are the crappy headlights on the 91 honda civic that i started rallying in (laughs) and and, uh so it turns out hey yeah you do have to trust the co-driver if you want to go fast yeah (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Even even though the only time I've ever bathed in a rally car is during a night stage, I still still love night stages. So, you know. Which, which yeah. race was it? That that was actually a Jibway. The uh, might have been the first year I did it. We was so um, I forget which stage it was. Too it was, uh, but it was on it, it was on the Friday night. It was like late, and there was it was just. I've got some notes here. Is this the is this the notes? Oh, it's Aikley Cutoff and Ingress. I just happened to open open these notes <laughs> I've got here at the right page. It was the Aikley Cutoff and Ingress stage because they ran this this stage twice, and uh, the second time around it was like half a mile longer, hmm. and it was in that extra half mile that I bathed. Really? So. It, if the stage had been half a mile shorter, I would have been fine. You would have been fine, yeah. yeah and and this wouldn't even be the story. <laughs> you, you know, I'll tell you, having talked with uh, a lot of co-drivers uh, and, and and experienced ones, the only stages that I know some of those co-drivers have gotten sick or, or even just, you know, maybe not necessarily thrown up, though some of them have, um, is Ojibwe. And I don't know if it is just the kind of soft surface that rolls you around a little bit different or or kind of the roller coaster feel of the roads um but i've heard several co-drivers that have said the only rally they have ever felt sick on was ojibwe mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah it's it's strange but uh yeah i'm i've not since i went on to scopolamine i've been i've been fine and you know touch wood i'll stay that way so yeah yes so you know, obviously, day one, you guys had the sun blinding in your eyes. You had uh, you and uh, how do you pronounce his last name correctly? Just so I don't mess it up. Durazio. Durazio. Okay. Yeah. Just want to make sure I I get it right. So you and Durazio moving up through the field steadily. Then you go into day two, and the first stage you meet with is crest over crest, crest with a crest over crest with more crests and flat over crest. Um, how's that to wake up to? Uh, I've, so he uses brow and I don't think I've ever said brow so many times in my life. <laughs> um, I, I, I even made a comment during recce because of course recce's at slower speeds and I'm just saying brow into brow and brow over brow. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, can I say anything else, please? <laughs> Um, but you you know, and and with it being such a high speed stage, um, it's such a different character. I feel like to the stages that we ran on Friday. Um, and, and uh, Ian, I don't know if you agree with that, but it, it almost feels like a completely different rally going into that stage. Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. You know, it's cause everything you, you feel like you've got a, at least on the other stages, you've got like a, a decent corner every, every couple of hundred, maybe 75 50 100 yards but 
here you got nothing. I mean, I had like for, for like 10 miles, I got nothing but right fives and right sixes and left five, left six uh, or, or a kink or line through, you know, it's, there were no real cor corners to slow you down. Yeah, yeah, and, and I don't know about you, but from the co-driver's seat, every now and again, it's going, oh, please give me a corner slow this guy down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and and so Andre uses a, a true pace note system, um, you know, so he, he worked with OZ Rally Pro, you know, Rhiannon and Alex, and they saw, again, how serious he was going to be about it, so they got him in a true pace note system, um, and so we essentially had kind of call it seven degrees of corners mm -hmm. um so your traditional six but then a max um and a max is you know you can call it a kink or a six plus yeah. or a, a max is what it sounds like it's full speed pretty much regardless of the speed and i mean there's a section in there where i mean it was all flat maxes brows crests mm -hmm. for i mean probably a mile and a half wow. um and he got that little fiesta up to 88 miles an hour. So uh, just fast enough for Back to the Future. But uh, <laughs> we, we put some decent stage times on that one, considering we have, uh, like I said, I think 100 horsepower is about what those cars have. So it was pretty good. So I'll now tell you what happened to us on the second pass of Strawberry Mountain. Mm -hmm. So we... We'd been because you come out of like the uh, come out of service and you have the regrouping there on the road into Strawberry Mountain stage and we were just like waiting and waiting. Just hurry up and wait there, you know. And all oh, of yeah. a sudden, all of a sudden, it's like go go go. And you know, so <laughs> I'm jamming my helmet on and getting in the car and I heard and as I was putting the helmet on, I heard terminal failure because we have this we have this Bluetooth system oh, in no. our. In our um, in our headsets for the intercom, so I'm thinking terminal failure. Oh shit! What? And it's Scott's system, so he knows what to do. So he he rebooted the system, but didn't tell me. So <laughs> I'm thinking that we don't have intercom. I put my helmet on and I heard nothing. So I'm thinking, oh shit! Intercom's down on Strawberry Mountain. So. I had to hand signal Strawberry Mountain for the for second. the entire stage for the for the entire stage. Oh my! You are a braver man than I, sir. I would oh, well, have said, drop me off and pick me up on the way back. I was only doing five. <laughs> Come on! I was, it was like five left, five right. <laughs> wow! But, and when we when we got to the state end of end of the stage, Scott said. What, do you, what were you doing? I said, oh, I couldn't hear a thing. You said we had a, the, 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 the system said it had a terminal failure. I said, well, I rebooted it. I could hear you. So he could hear me going, shit, damn, fuck. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> he could hear me cursing as I was, I was, as I was trying to work out what, what to sign and what not to sign. Oh my and, gosh! Oh God! Yeah, I was exhausted by the end of that, but we got through. And even though I was like on hand signals, I was only like about five seconds slower than than our time with pace notes. So I must have done okay. That's pretty good. You you could do uh, what is that boat racing that they have where it's all hand signals, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. 
Yeah, Stra- Strawberry Mountain is is a a pretty unique stage in in that race for sure, just because it is so different compared to all the other ones. And you know, running it three times, I think was was pretty fun because um, you know I feel like we finished it the second time. Uh, you know, Andre and I and went well. I I think that's about all this car's got. You know, it's low on horsepower, whatever. But but we had a good stage and and. Um, and I want to say we were still pretty high up for, for that second running. Um, but then on the third run, so we, you know, we didn't pay that close attention to where we were in the standings through the race. Um, I knew that we were leading limited and, and, um, and doing pretty well, but honestly, I wasn't really paying attention to where we were for overall two wheel drive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then Brad Morris came up to us at the beginning of the third loop and said, oh, man, there's there's only five seconds between us. So so we've got a race on our hands. And I was like, oh, you know, that's pretty cool. He said, yeah, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see if I can hold my podium spot. And uh, and Andre was standing there and, and he went, oh, podium, like for what? And he said, oh, you know, for, for overall two wheel drive, you guys are just behind me or just ahead. I forget which it was for for podium. Um, and uh, and so I was like, oh, okay, cool. And Andre didn't really say much. And and uh, then you know he he goes to the car ten minutes before me to put his helmet on because it because it took him forever. And uh, we've all been so there, I... done that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, I was five seconds said... ahead, by the way, five point five. Okay, so that's what it was. And uh, and so you know, I was actually telling him Friday night, I said, Hey, if you want, you should practice putting your helmet on and off. So you take it off between stages, but he, he just wore it the whole race basically. Um, and, and so I, I hop back in the car and, and I say, cool. So what's the plan? He said, I think we can go faster on this stage. So I went, well, all right, you know, I'm calling notes. Let's do it. And, uh, and I think we were third, no, 20 seconds faster than our previous time on that stage and, and beat Brad by, like 25 seconds or something oh, crazy. Wow. I mean, and, and we both finished that stage just high five and then laughing. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, those are the cool moments in rally, right? Where yeah. you finish the stage and it was like, that was so much fun. That's wow. cool. one of those moments where you just like two people, two, two people were one and you were just like working together in man and machine in perfect harmony, as they used to say. Right, right. I mean, the fact that we got that car to average over 60 miles an hour is is uh, is pretty good in itself. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of no lifting when when uh, we did the times before. And and, uh, you know, the kids cornering speed is high. And so it's just maximizing every single mile per hour um, that, that we could just, you know, with a car like that, you lose three or four miles an hour coming out of a corner. Yeah. Well, you're going to be down six or seven miles an hour compared to another run at the end of a straight, mm-hmm. um, you know, it kind of compounds. And, and that's why, especially for a young kid like him, just getting started, it's so important if you're going to be serious about it to start in a low horsepower, two wheel drive mm-hmm. car. Yeah. Um, again, I'm biased. I think two wheel drive, but, um, rear wheel drive is certainly more fun. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, I, I think the front wheel drive skills translate uh, a little bit better to say a four wheel drive car. If you ever make that jump. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. It's another thing that I was interested to find out if other co-drivers had this problem. I talked to Alex Gelsomino about this, and he had the same problem as well. And it was particular on the first pass of stages. Did you find that the sun was shining through the car window and blinding, blinding in, bleaching your pages of notes out? Oh no, I didn't have that actually. Um, 
and I think I use the same style pencil as as Alex. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but no, I yeah I didn't have that issue. Really, because it's like yeah, we would like come through the we'd be coming through the avenue of trees, and then you would get out into the sun, and the sun would just like shine on my page of notes, and it would just like. It was like a flash gun going off. Actually, um, you know what? Now that you mentioned it, I do think I had that. Um, I don't remember which pass it was on, but I did have a stage where I found I had to like tilt the book a funny mm-hmm. way to make sure that I could see the notes the whole time. Yeah, yeah, and it, that was that was another thing that I'd never like had the experience of. And it's like it was when you would like go down, go down the stage, and you would have a, you would get out into the open, you'd have a quick flash, and you, you notes would bleach out and then you'd go back into the, under the shade again and you'd just try to get a bead on where you were on the page and then you'd be out in the sunshine again and poof, your notes just bleach out. I mean, it's like, that's another thing that I, I've never experienced before and um, I never want to experience that one again, actually, because I just could not keep keep track on where I was. <laughs> yeah, and, and I struggle sometimes uh, when you're going through, say, sparse tree cover, mm-hmm. and you get the flashes of shadows uh, yeah. that go over the page. That's that's a challenge sometimes, too. Um, just, you know, it's hard because your eyes, like, are trying to focus on focus, and, and, and so that's always a challenge. Mm-hmm. Another thing about night stage is that's awesome, right? It's always yes. consistent light from your light that you got in the car. Until you lose the light. Yeah, okay, that would suck. <laughs> Fair point. Fair point. Yeah. All right, so day two, obviously you got the, that Strawberry Mountain, super fast, never lift kind of thing. Um, then you got the other two stages. It's uh, Hide a Land going through that gorgeous causeway. Yes. Um, one of the best photo opportunities in all of American rallying. Um, and, and then you got Sugarbush after that. Um, I'm guessing those two are definitely a little bit more technical average speeds go down a little bit. I mean, I guess comparing Friday stages to Saturday stages is other than if you kind of take out strawberry mountain or is Saturday a little bit more technical if you think of, of the other two stages there, or is it really the, uh, you know, crossroads and all that stuff. And on the first day, that's a little more flat out. Yeah. I'd say the stages feel pretty similar overall between the two days. Um, in in my opinion, I feel like Crossroads feels a bit wider than, say, the other stages, but it's still pretty technical and, mm-hmm. and relatively low speed. Um, but the road just feels a bit wider there. Gotcha. Um, you know, Spur 2 is, is always a fun, technical, but still pretty fast stage. Um, that was actually Andre's favorite, he said, was was Spur 2, even though we had our, our trouble on it. Um, just because, you know, there's kind of a, a character change mid-stage mid, mid, uh, mid where you turn off the road and and um, and some good technicality there. So I, I'd say really the roads feel pretty consistent outside of Strawberry Mountain um, with, with really what I saw this year was just kind of the width of the road feels a little different. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Uh, so... One thing that, of course, stage, uh, that uh, day two had was, is, of course, there's the third run of two of the stages. And I guess that's what I want to talk about a little bit is because, you know, one thing that I recall from even just a second pass on some corners anyways at Ojibwe was that sandy soil can just rut out really quick. Uh, you kind of mentioned at the beginning um, when we started talking about all this is that riding the skid plate a little bit. Uh, I guess how bad was it? Because I'm guessing on, on a flat-out spot where... You know, I guess with a lot like Star Strawberry Mountain, 
probably don't run into that as much because if everybody's going fast over it, there's no like stop and dig in kind of thing. But tight hairpins, I can imagine, or, or some of the, you know, some of the slower corners that can really become an issue. Yeah, yeah. So Strawberry Mountain really didn't change much in between the runnings, at least from what we saw. Um, you know, I, I don't know what you saw, Ian, but that mm-hmm. was pretty consistent through all three. Yeah. Um, Lands and, and even Sugarbush with only two runnings definitely got dug up. Um, but interestingly, I didn't see a big difference between the second and the third run. Um, hmm. Though I will say there were sections that were pretty dug up even on that second run. Um, but... I, I would almost say that I didn't see a major change between the second and the third run. Hmm. Yeah, well, um, Strawberry Mountain, the th- three three runs of Strawberry Mountain was a was well was a run too far for us because we we flatted on Strawberry Mountain. Oh, really? Oh gosh, yeah, about two thirds of the way in, and yeah, we we went out, we drifted out too wide on one of the. Um, it's going to be a right-hander, right five. We drifted out too wide, and we caught a big stone, and uh, and yeah, we. Uh, I guess it must have debeded, and then blew the tire, and we shredded the tire, and we had. Oh, geez. We had to. We had to stop because we just like weren't far enough along the stage to uh, run run all the way through on three wheels but so was the tire flapping around at that point oh yeah and we have we have the uh we have a fuel cell underneath the bed of the truck so you know you don't want to like have like rubber flapping around on there and maybe doing damage to the uh to the cell but uh yeah so we had to stop and change a tire and uh which was a whole that's actually scott says it's the first time he's ever changed a tire on a jib way and it's the first time i've ever changed a tire on any rally but mm-hmm. um we had like extra problems in that the truck has a um different it has a narrower track at the back so we have to have when we change the tire change the wheel we had to put a spacer onto the onto the wheel to pull the onto the um yeah onto on onto onto the axle to pull the uh the wheel out to a better width. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Because that's the way that's the way it was built. That's the way this truck was built. So we so that cost us an extra couple of minutes there. So we set off. So it was not about ten twelve minutes to actually change the tire, and we set off through the stage, and we just put through to the end. We get to the end of the stage, and Scott says, "I'm not happy with the handling." So he decided at the end of the stage to change the front, swap the front and rear driver's side wheels because he thought it would improve the the handling. Hmm. I mean, and so we wasted, we spent another ten minutes there, changing, swapping the swapping the wheels around as well. So that explains I think we why did... I saw you stop so long on transit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So we were we were lucky enough. We were so we were lucky to only get into the uh, into the uh, Strawberry Mountain Control only a minute late. So it was <laughs> a lot of tire changing on Strawberry Mountain. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of back and forth. It sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so, but how, how did you like Hide a Land for three runnings? I mean, I just love that stage. I mean, apart from the fact of running into Al on on the hill there, 
I, 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 I live for that stage. Just that, that minute where you're alongside the shore of the lake and you do the causeway. I mean, that just makes it for me. It's incredible, isn't it? The, the it, view I mean, as you come out of the trees. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, that is, I, I remember that. I'll never forget the first time I saw it. It took my breath away and to be, to just like be driving at speed, left five, right five, left five, brake, left three, and go on to the causeway between the water. It's, it's a special, it's a special, it's a special experience to be in a car doing that at speed. And uh, it's like yeah. you're driving on water. Yeah, kind of, kind of, sort of, maybe. Yeah, it's just a, a one. It's, it's it's a fantastic thing, and uh, you know. I live for that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I guess I'm not wired like other co-drivers who are like being analytical about stuff. But to be, to be, to be there on that that section of section of road is just wonderful. I mean, we could we could have we could have gone round there, and shed a wheel a hundred yards down the road, and it just wouldn't have mattered to me because we'd have <laughs> done. We have passed through the causeway again. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I remember doing recce on that uh, with Matt a while back. Actually, not not doing recce so much as uh, we actually had to get out there in a hurry um, to uh, do some of the footage stuff we were going to get. And but I just remember get, just getting out there, and you got some of the crazy media guys that are <laughs> making rafts. Uh, yeah, John Seaton was out on trees. the boat this oh. year, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's all about getting that perfect shot. And and hopefully not getting another you know photog in the shot, just getting the car, <laughs> but because everybody swarms just to get that spot. But I just remember seeing it for the first time in person, and up close actually doesn't seem as amazing as when you step back from it. When yeah. when you when you're away from it, you can see it from a distance and take it all in. You're just like, wow, I can't believe people take this at speed. And uh, yeah, def definitely a special place for sure. So, yeah, um, I, I think Andre may have saw the photographers at that point because that was probably the widest he hung out the tail. <laughs> the <whole weekend. laughs> yeah. he, he kept things pretty tidy for the most part. We came through that section. I was like, huh, he, he really threw the end around for that. I wonder why. <laughs> love yeah, it. I, just, I, love I would it. say, yeah, it was, a, it was that was fantastic. I, I love that. That's my favorite stage of any that are out there on a jib way there. I was interested when I was we made the pass of Sugarbush because Sugarbush is basically Otterkill, but in the other direction, mm -hmm. you know, and Otterkill, I absolutely hate. I just can't get my bearings on there with the, with all the, all the fives and fives and sixes, left, right, left, right, left, right, and all that. Mm -hmm. But coming from the other direction, everything opened up differently and I had less of a problem. I, I was, I, I would be intimidated by Otterkill, but I wasn't bothered at all by Sugarbush. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think there's only a, a few stages that I've seen that really have a character change when you reverse them. Um, and I, I could certainly see that with Sugarbush. It did feel like a very different stage. Um, we even had the conversation at Rally Colorado that I feel like, you know, this was the first year we ran some of those stages reversed, and I felt like it just really changed the character of, of some of those roads. Um, and, and I certainly would include Sugarbush with that. 
So did you and Andre have a target for this rally other than just gain experience and see how we run? That that was pretty much it. Um, you know, we, we talked about it going in and the weeks leading up and the days leading up. And, and the plan was, I want to make sure I get to the end of the race and, and I want to get the experience of running a car and, and running his notes, you know, again, with with everything that was his first race. So it was his first time writing notes and racing those. Um, and, uh, you know, they were maybe a little optimistic, but they were at least consistent, which is, is the biggest thing. Um, because if they're at least consistent, then he can, uh, kind of adjust his approach to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it, I mean, it was good, obviously the, the results show and he came up to speed really fast. Um, and, uh, and, and the results were unexpected. Uh, maybe I had an idea just knowing where the competition is and knowing where he was. Um, but obviously the, the biggest thing was to get to the end and, you know, we had a couple of moments and, and, uh, and a little excitement here and there, but for the most part, it was really clean. Um, and, and he drove quick, uh, and, and got that experience, you know, and, and I even on the second run on day two, I played with my note pacing with him a little bit to kind of push him a bit. Um, and he reacted well to it. So, um, the kid's got potential. I mean, I can't say it enough. He's, <laughs> he's, he's going to be something special, um, you know, racing here. So what about uh, you, Ian, did you and Scott have a specific goal? Uh, not really, you know, because it's like been 12 months since we'd even like run together. I mean, it's like as we went, as we we went round was I was finding out how ru- incredibly rusty I was. You know, it's you can you can practice all you like, you know, you can retrain yourself to operate your rally watch. You can retrain yourself to like read pace notes and you can and it's there's no substitute for being there in the car at speed you know and that was it's something that had been really missing and i i found i'd picked up i want to say i picked up a lot of bad habits but uh you know it's i found i found myself stuttering and stammering because i couldn't actually say there were times when I couldn't go from left five to right five or something like that. You know, I was, and it was, that was a little bit disturbing. Yeah. Losing your rhythm for sure. Yeah. So it, it, yeah, exactly. It lost the rhythm a bit. So, uh, I was well out of practice and, uh, Scott seems well, to be okay. So much so I, I see here on the last stage, it looks like you got a penalty. Yeah. Well, that was getting one the tire minute. change. Yeah. That was one minute <laughs> for the tire change. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, so. Well, Ian, I think it's, uh, you know, you get that adrenaline spike and, and yeah. as you rally more and more frequently, you get used to mitigating that and, mm-hmm. and you don't even feel it. But yeah. uh, I certainly even notice first time stepping back onto a stage, even with Wallingford at Sofer, you know, I had been almost a year since I had co-driven at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You know, because I had family issue at the end of the year and then um, no one raced for the better part of that year. So, yeah. Uh, so I even found myself a bit rusty going into it and, and even the challenge of coming into this one, you know, Andre's note system was much different than Cameron's, um, which I was used to. And so that was even one where I was like, Oh crap, hopefully I remember my lefts and my rights. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, it was just, uh, it was, it was overpowering in a way, you know, it's like, this is something like 
that like a year ago I had a handle on mm-hmm. and <laughs> no I don't it was like being a novice all over again <laughs> well it's a muscle right as yeah. if if you don't use it then you kind of start to lose it a bit yeah. um and there's nothing you know like you said calling notes on videos or on recce or whatever it is uh there's no replacement for actually being in the car and and feeling the car tossing you around and and the adrenaline going through you and you know that's like I always find myself uh by the end of the first stage if I haven't done it in a while it's like was I shouting at you the whole time because <laughs> I feel like I was talking really loud yeah hey maybe that had something to do with me losing my voice on the first day as well yeah, maybe I was like shouting too much as well yeah yeah, yeah. I, I find myself as we're you know, with any driver I'm working with, if we get to a part where we're pushing a bit, um, my my volume definitely goes up on on my voice. And I'm sure you guys have heard my videos and stuff before. I use a lot of inflection, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and suddenly that gets a lot more dramatic. <laughs> yeah. You know, in in certain sections. So. I know, because like uh, before before Ojibwe Scott had me. Uh look at some of your in-car because he liked your pacing and uh and and your inflections and everything he says can can we do a note calling system like this and i'm going like not the week before ojibwe we can't. <laughs> give, give me at least a few weeks to prepare for that right <laughs> but and I, so i was comparing what our notes were with your your what you were saying side by side and it's like you're like doing a totally different stage to us <laughs> because I'm, I'm because you like you you take out distances so that you can add more information about corners and lines and stuff like this and i'm mm-hmm. i'm thinking oh this well, is and, as I, and, as and I, I actually can inject from actually going on recce with them uh, yeah. Actually, I got to go out with uh, oh, that's Cameron right. and, yeah, and Preston yeah. last year. That was cool. He, you actually explained to me a little bit. It's like, well, there's no point in putting a distance in here because he's going from one end to the other because they're so much faster. It's like, why put a distance in here? I mean, he can see it. It's right there. Um, it's really about giving the details of the corner than it is the distance to it. Yeah, so like Cam's note system, if it's a, a 20... We pretty much never call that. We may use that as an and call mm-hmm. um, or even an into, depending on the speed of the corner. And then if it's a high speed section, 30s can become an and. Um, yeah. But that's, you know, hit or miss. Sometimes we'll call 30s. You know, anything above that, I'm, we're going to want to put in the notes. But um, certainly those shorter distances, you can play with different words, um, mm-hmm. whether it's ands or even just if you say nothing. Like if I say nothing between, say, left four, right four for Cam, um, he's going to know that there's just a small distance in between the corners there. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, frequently would use that as an and. Uh, so it'd be left left four and right four, whereas an into obviously those corners are linked. Um, but you know you hear co-drivers talk about it a lot, where you're saving words, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. and it's the important ones that you want to make sure you can say. Um, and and that was even you know Andre I would say is is borderline, um, but if the driver can process everything you tell them, then sure, I'll, I'll give you seven modifiers for one corner if that's really what you want. Um, you know, where it's, it's you know, your line coming into a corner, your severity of the corner, direction of the corner, apex line, exit line, don't care. I mean, it's like all of a sudden you've got all these things in a corner. Well, and and as you get faster and faster, you start eliminating some of those details, right? Some of them, yeah. You know, a lot of people are surprised when you say, listen to someone's notes like Dave Higgins, um, where 
people think that that's a very simplified note system, but if you really listen to it and look, he's getting all of the critical information he needs, um, and some of it just becomes superfluous at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, as I say, like I say, I was noticing that just comparing yours, yours to mine, that you had a whole load of information in there that I wouldn't even dream of giving to Scott, but... Mm -hmm as we develop maybe i maybe that would be something that we would we would incorporate but uh we we it's very much a modified sort of jemba kind of like thing that we've that we have right now and it's like we've added like kinks and things like that but uh to listen to listen to you i was getting i was getting so much out of comparing yours to mine that i'm thinking what Oh, oh, oh! I could. Oh, I like this idea. You know. So. Uh... Well, well, good. I'm glad those videos are useful for someone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's. It, I've I've gotten a lot of co-drivers thank me for putting those videos up there. Just you know, for me, I just I my hard drive space is only so big, and so um, I actually I still have all of the videos I've ever recorded on a couple of hard drives. But really, to be able to quickly go back and reference, hey, we ran that stage in. 2016 well um i know i should be able to pull it up and and see what that stage looks like and what the notes look like and and just use it as a as a reference point um you know like i said earlier there's a fair bit of preparation that goes in on my end uh preparing for a race and and the style of notes the pacing of the notes the style of the roads uh just so i can kind of get that mindset so sounds like hopefully it's useful for other people too it certainly was for me absolutely appreciate it you know of course a lot of folks talk about what happened with the national top guys and you know congratulations travis pastrana and uh rian gelsomino to come out with the overall win keep some hope of maybe kind of having a championship run but really kind of with only five rounds barry doesn't need that many more points to uh to maybe clinch it uh, he just needs to keep finishing <laughs> right exactly i mean just don't be stupid and you should be okay um it's awesome to see that Skoda out there, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's not normally a car we would see here in the States, and uh, I'm glad and it happened doors, to get stuck here. It's four doors, a rally car. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, um, I, I did want to do a special shout-out to uh, the fact that this is Rhiannon's first ever overall win in America, right? Is it? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, it would be, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. That's right, because so... she posted she's done five different countries now. Yep. Yeah, so she's been she's been all over the world competing. Well, they did she did was in WRC Academy, right? Mm -hmm. With her brother. So they did she was a Pirelli Star driver, co-driver team, right? Um back then and so I mean, they've competed everywhere and uh to to see her finally get at the top step here in the states after all the years she's put in, their school and all the stuff they've honestly, they've really helped elevate, I think, you know, you're talking yeah. about, you know, all the open recce stuff we do and whatnot. I think they're a big contributor to that. Her and Alex, mm -hmm. um, just awesome. I'm just super excited that we're kind of moving that direction, which is what the rest of the world kind of does. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, to see her get that uh, great result for them. Um, one of my favorite though, uh, battles that we had over the weekend was for the overall, in the regionals, uh, Steve and Katie came up, came out overall on that one and they led by, or off and on, bounce from the top to second to top again no more than 12 seconds until the penultimate stage 
Yeah, that, that was amazing. I mean, it, they were down by 3.5 seconds. They were leading. They were completely tied. I mean, it was like tenths uh, after three stages. Um, <laughs> you know, jeez, it, it's just. Yeah. It's just mind-boggling. You think of the actual miles done, and it's like, this is one of those things where it's like, if you had, like, our actual racetrack, and you looked at, like, a picture of where the car would be, right? You know, compared to, to the next car. So close after all those miles. And yeah, I'm looking it, at so through cool. stage nine, they were still within 10 seconds of each other. Yeah. Or, stay, mm-hmm. After stage 10, they were within one second of each other. <laughs> Isn't that insane? Wow. I, I knew it was close. I didn't realize it was that close. Holy yeah, cow. Yeah, th- then then Chase uh, Hovinga ended up getting, uh, you know, the, the stage win again. Then on stage 11, you know, that was 5.4 seconds in his lead. <laughs> Talking about just back and forth, back and forth. And then uh, uh, Chase ran into some issues. Uh, but, wow. I mean, that's the that's what makes rallying awesome is just to see that. And then on top of it, what was really cool is that, like, there was a, at the end of Friday night, had an issue with the driveline, uh, the Mape driveline underneath the car, and it was one of his closer competitors. It was Chuck Serdyke, and he's the one, I think, that gave him a, a spare driveline to use. Uh, yeah, you know, that's uh, right. Let him borrow that. And, yep. and also his, you know, other teams helped put it on and, and fix some things, and because they had a control arm that they bent as well, hitting that same rock, I think, that you were talking about on uh, Spur 2. Uh, they had all these. That's that was another thing. Uh, driving part of the stage with the steering wheel literally almost upside down. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> to stay straight. Uh, yeah. So there's all kinds of, of fun things that happened to them, and I, I think to just go overcome all that stuff, the camaraderie of the different teams yep. coming together to to help one of their own, you know, get their car fixed and still out there and com- out, be out there and compete, and then the back and forth throughout the whole weekend. And, and to finally come out on top, just that's the stuff that, that gets me. This is like, this is why I love this sport, right? Mm-hmm. It, yep. it just had every element of the awesomeness that is rally. Yeah. That, that's so much of what rally is. You know, I, I feel like the, the more people I talk with, uh, you know, say Ryan Booth, for example, who came over from tarmac racing, circuit racing, talking with him, he's like, Holy cow. The, the mentality with rally drivers compared to those guys is completely different. Those guys wouldn't give you a lug nut. You know, if you paid them $10,000 for it, but you, you come over to the rally world. And like you said, a direct competitor helping somebody out. I mean, um, that, that's what's, that's what makes rally so great. (laughs) Definitely a, a, a special weekend to see that happen. And, and not to say that this stuff doesn't help in the, happen on the national side too. We've seen it uh, happen there also. And uh, I think it was uh, there was a time was it I think Seahorn won you know with a part from somebody else. Uh, again, just the stuff that I just love about this sport. And uh, yeah, we, we'll, we'll we get that review spent... out there that has all those details in it. But um, yeah. lots of great quotes from everybody and uh, about how their weekends went. And just th- there's a story everywhere. You just you just got to look for it. And they're great, great stories from every event. Yeah, we we spent most of the weekend trying to keep Chase's car going. <laughs> um, he, he he had you know so many different mechanical issues that that we were trying to help him through. He had braking issues after day one, and and then uh, I don't know if you got the full story for him, but his exhaust basically came apart, um, was damaged, and essentially fell off. Um, wow! You know, uh, on day two, and then essentially his his uh, throttle body, uh, or no, his the pipe off of his turbo fell off. Yeah, turbo um, pipe, and, yeah. And I tried to help him fix that at the end of stage 
I think 12 or 13. Um, so I was under the car with him trying to get it sorted and, and essentially came to the realization that we're not going to get this fixed in time uh, for you to run the stage. So it's just get on the stage and do the best you can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you got to, and yeah, yeah. And that's just kind of the way it is. But, uh, but yeah, so uh, to, to all those folks that uh, just finished this one and in, overall, by the way, the finishing rate for this one was really good. The attrition was not all that bad. Um, I think we only had like maybe like 12 or 15 that were out out of yeah, I think 12 uh, all the was the number I heard. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't all that much um, as far as percentages go for, for yeah. most rallies. It, mm -hmm. it, it was definitely on the low end. So, um, and again, that goes into people helping each other, uh, long nights, <laughs> hammering on things and whatever. But uh, again, at, that's rallying. At least not as long as they used to be, you know, Ojibwe of old, my crew guys, uh, it was probably their least favorite race because they usually finished at about four in the morning, had enough time to shower and reload the trailer to get to the next park expose. So they like this <laughs> schedule a lot better. <laughs> I bet, I bet. Well, you definitely picked a, a fun one and an exciting uh, uh, driver to be with for uh, your your last um, uh, co-driving bit for a little bit here. Yeah, potentially. It seems that way, right? Well, uh, it definitely was a different rally. Um, I know, Ian, you had some notes in here, things being just a little bit different, how there's no park expose. The yeah. arch wasn't there for the Red Bull Arch. I thought that yeah. was weird. Yeah, cause, because I know some drivers like take a bead off the red bull arch for their for their line and knowing where knowing when they're going to take off and yeah it wasn't there that was very strange yeah so then of course we have all our con contactless procedures mm -hmm. uh the recce registration and all that stuff all that stuff being a little bit different but um yeah. you know as we talked about earlier i think it's just i i don't know one person that thinks that we should yeah. go back to the way it was it worked yeah it worked really well that was my first experience with it and yeah it's like Everything worked really, really well. And other than, uh, I think, a couple of competitors that uh, they had to move where they had their little tracker thing, mm -hmm. times came in really good, too, yeah. And uh, from what I was watching. So kind of similar to Colorado, it just kind of worked kind of flawless. And yeah. yay, I, I like this future. Mm -hmm. Let's do more yes. of it. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I guess it's uh, I'm in charge of making sure it goes that way, right? <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. What, no pressure. <laughs> what we, yeah. What we have to do is give a big, big thanks to the organizers and volunteers who always absolutely coped with with the situation admirably. Because I know that, uh, I mean, as you know, my wife works volunteers for stuff and for for the events, and she came back to my room on came back to our room on after the uh, volunteers briefing on Thursday night. And she came to me and she says, they've just made me captain of MTC. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like totally kind of like overwhelmed by this thing. So so I know that like even by like eight, eight, nine o'clock at night, they were still working on ironing out the problems with with the whiteboards and post-it notes and stuff like that with the timing and scoring. So you know huge huge thanks to everybody who worked on that all the volunteers who worked on the start time controls and finish time controls all those guys who were presented with a whiteboard on you know friday morning and told this is what you do you know these guys were these all these people were given something 
something right first thing in the morning and told what to do with it. And, you know, they did it. They pulled, pulled it off and everything ran perfectly smoothly. It was great. I was really impressed. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw the same thing. And, and like you said, it's such a challenge right now just because the whole situation's so fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things seem to still even be changing kind of day to day. And so from the organizer standpoint, having to deal with that is is difficult. And and like you said, the volunteers having to basically be like, hey, P.S., everything's different now. So good luck. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, you know, for for how much has changed and how much is different. The fact that had the event run that smoothly is is uh, is very well job, very well done and good job to the organizers mm-hmm. and volunteers. Yeah. Well, we've got uh, next up is Show Me Rally, and uh, normally a regional up to a national two-day now. Um, that's going to be def- – or is it, no, is it a, is it one day that's a long day, or is it doing still a two-day? Two yeah, yeah. It's still two-day. Okay. Yep. And, uh, wow, 81 entries of which – there 81 hopefuls, I should say, <laughs> <laughs> with I think it's a 50 max that they've got for that one, and uh, – yeah, uh, everybody knew going into it though what uh, how that was going to be structured, so that was good. You know, some good communication in advance on how they're going to do that. But it definitely shows the demand, and I guess uh, you know, for you going into this position, um, it, even with our troubled times that we've got, uh, you know, we're still waiting to see how the economy is going to end up in the long run on this. But it still seems like people want to get out there and drive. Um, that's that kind of demand. That's that's pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, it it really is. You know, I think a lot of people have the expectation of this being um, show me rally light, and and I think first and foremost, people have to remember that it's or sorry, hundred acre light, um, and people have to remember that it's it's not this. You know, this uh, this is a different organizing group and and uh, different people in charge, and and they're doing the best that they can to even accommodate for that fifty. Um, and yeah. so it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's, I mean, they're not used to organizing for that volume. No, I mean, no. normally that's an event that does like 20. Right. Right. And, and, you know, so even before I was officially announced as this position, you know, I was talking with them as a team manager, since I was not in the co-driver seat for this one, um, about recce and, you know, it's not something that they're used to having to deal with because they have been a tulip rally in the past. And so it's a whole new process for them to have to put thought into, well, how do we make sure we schedule and accommodate for uh, a two pass recce for competitors to write their own notes. And, and um, you know, even, even something where they were looking at the time schedule and realized, Oh wait, we're starting recce before the sun goes up. Um, you know, we can't really do that. So, so there's a lot of challenges for these new organizers to have to handle, but I think it does kind of show and point to where rally is going right now in North America, um, which is a good thing. Um, Mm. you know, as we get more and more people entering, I think the expectations are going to be a little bit different. And so, um, I think it's going to be up to, to me and, and the rest of the ARA team to kind of coach them and guide them and help these events grow and new events come on, um, so that we can accommodate all of the competitors that we're having. Wait, just look at the entry list here. I just see that, uh, Samantha and Joseph Chirelli, uh, the, the, the folks that were the chairman of the, um, Colorado are entered. Yep. Yeah, so, they hey, are. 
Way to go! That's they're, awesome. they're trying to knock every possible thing they can do in Rally off the list because they volunteered <laughs> at uh, Sulfur, you know, worked a start controller in ATC. Uh, of course, we're chairman and chairwoman for Colorado, so they figured, you know, why not? We should probably compete in one this year, too. <laughs> awesome. Way to go, Shirelli. Is it Chirelli? Shirelli? Something? Uh, don't hold me to it, but I think it's yeah. Shirelli. Shirelli. All right, yeah. well. That was awesome. Uh, good to see him out there doing stuff. Uh, but I guess before we let you go, uh, we've kept you on for, gosh, two hours now because we love talking rallies. Well, it's yeah. like being at the pub, as we say. These always <laughs> tend to go along with us, doesn't it? They do. They do. <laughs> always enjoyable. But uh, I guess, again, as you enter into this new role, this new world, um, any parting words? Yeah, I just I want to tell everyone how excited I am to, to take on this role. Um you know, it's it's tough stepping away from competing in rally and into something like this. But um, I think ultimately just know that I'm taking this role because I think uh, I, I know how good rally can be in North America, um, you know, specifically the U.S. And obviously ARA is a big part of that. And, and that's why I'm kind of coming on with this team. And and I think a big thing that I want to do is is I by no means have all of the right answers. Um, and so I'm, I'm always open to input and, and, you know, who, who knows who has the next great idea that's going to really take rally to the next level. And, and I think what I really want to do is be able to take ideas like that and foster them and, and put them in place and, or put them in front of the people who they need to be put in front of, um, and, you know, I, I think what I really like seeing and why I was comfortable taking this position is I see USAC is really investing a lot um, into ARA and, and into Rally. And so I, I think we're going to see some some very big and, and very good changes over the next, you know, 12 to 18 months. And and uh, it's it's a slow turning ship, but hopefully me being in this position can kind of help things go in a new direction and, and freshen things up a bit. Well, awesome. we wish, yeah, we wish you every success with it, with it. And, you know, it couldn't happen to a better a better person. Thank you very much. And, and we'll still get you on the podcast periodically. Oh, absolutely. You, you okay. know where to find me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, thank you, everyone, for listening to the Open Paddock Rallycast presented by Oz Rally Pro. And remember, if you like what we're doing here, please subscribe. Give us a good rating on iTunes or whatever platform you listen on. That always helps us out quite a bit. I'm your host, Mike Shaw. Remember, listen to your co-drivers and stay out of the trees. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> my